The Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Bear thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. For the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all of your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 16. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and heard my calling. of the mire and clay, and set my feet upon the rock, and ordered my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even a thanksgiving unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that hath set his hope in the Lord, and turn not unto the proud, and to such as go about with lies. O Lord, my God, great are the wondrous works which thou hast done. Like as be also thy thoughts, which are to usward. And yet there is no man that ordereth them unto thee. If I should declare them and speak of them, they should be more than I am able to express. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sacrifice for sin hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, that I should fulfill thy will, O my God. I am content to do it. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have... Lo, I will not refrain my lips, O Lord, and that thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. My talk hath been of thy truth and of thy salvation. I have not kept back thy loving mercy and truth. From the great congregation. Withdraw not thou thy mercy from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth always preserve me. For innumerable troubles are come about me. My sins have taken such hold upon me that I am not able to look up 
Yea, they are more in number than the hairs of my head, and my heart hath failed me. O Lord, let it be thy pleasure to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 18th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Yet you say, Why should the Son not bear the guilt of the Father? Because the Son has done what is lawful and right, and has kept all my statutes and observed them, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The, soul, the Son shall not bear the guilt of the Father, nor the Father bear the guilt of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him, because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Here ends the second lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generation. He hath showed strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath opened his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 27th verse of the fourth chapter of the Gospel of St. John. And at this point his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are still four months, and then, it co and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, 
one who sows and one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee and do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people jo joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty God, who showest to them that are in error the light of thy truth, to the intent, excuse me, Almighty God, who has given thine only Son to be unto us both a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life, give us grace that we may always most thankfully receive that is an inestimable benefit and also daily endeavor ourselves to follow the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, Give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening to all. The brief thoughts about our lessons. We begin in Psalm 40. And Psalm 40 is uh, one that we'll be seeing with more frequency, especially as we go into Lent uh, and approaching Easter, because as we approach the passion of Jesus um, and the fulfillment of the law, 
um, and the obedience of the Christ uh, as he fulfills the will of the Father and, and then redeems all who are under the law. Um, this passage really does highlight the, the, pro the critical problem as he approaches the chosen people. Um, particularly, um, there, is a, um, there, is, there is a distance, there is, there is a difference, we'll say, between uh, the ritual performance of one's religion and a heart that is conformed and turned toward God. Um, there is a great kind of, um, uh, phrase, you know, a turn of phrase in this psalm that um, God's thoughts are turned to usward, um, and yet uh, no one will turn their thoughts in return to Him. Uh, and then, and this is the fundamental problem: is um, beneath all of the the ritual, there is um, there it is is purposed for the restoration of this, you know, reconciled relationship of giving receiving, offering, blessing, receiving again, and this kind of continuous um, interplay between God and humanity uh, by which they offer the whole creation. It is received and then blessed and given back to them for, for their enjoyment, which is then received and then, it, and, and then, and then God is worshiped um, in return. And this mimics and, and uh, mirrors the relationship between God the Father and God the Son in the Spirit. Uh, and so as we see in Psalm 40, there is this, this turning point in here where, you know, David, the, the speaker speaking in the voice of David um, says, you know, sacrifice and burnt offering thou wouldest not, um, but a body thou hast prepared for me. And then I said, lo, I come. In the book it is written of me that I should fulfill thy will, O Lord. Yea, my heart is content, content to do it. Um, thy law is in my heart. And um, and then this this is the fulfillment of why a law is given at all and why a ritual um, is provided. It is to conform one's entire life, both inwardly and outwardly, to this relation, this Eucharistic relationship of receiving, of offering, of blessing, of receiving again, and of worship. Um, and so, as we remember that, um, we we all, we get to see in our readings tonight a couple of ways in which um, those things become. Um, more distanced from each other and um, in a really broken way. In the Ezekiel lesson, particularly, um, we're honing in as we've been following this, um, this the logic of Ezekiel's um, prophecies, we're honing in tonight on another proverb, kind of like we visited a couple days ago in chapter 12. And this proverb is uh, that the, the fathers eat sour grapes and the young and the children's teeth are set on edge. Um, which is a, another humorous kind of um, and a, and a cynical proverb, kind of like the one we read on Monday. Um, and this one has to do with the, the concept, which was very popular in the ancient Near East, of transgenerational judgment um, and punishment. And this idea that, um, that, you know, that God is going to hold personally accountable um, uh, people who did not commit a sin. Um, and this was pretty commonplace among a lot of the gods of the ancient Near Eastern world um, in other cultures. Um, and uh, it can even be mis um, inappropriately read into the character of the God of Israel, um, especially if we take in a simplistic and out of context way um, the things like, uh, you know, what Ezekiel will then quote in 30, chapter 34, which is really a quote from Deuteronomy 5, um, that God visits the sins upon the third and fourth generation. Um, and this is, um, you know, as we as we read this as Christians, we can inadvertently read it in a kind of pagan way. Um, and what is meant in the the logic of the Torah, and then now in the logic of the prophets, um, is that uh, is a is a descriptive um, is a descriptive category that contrasts 
the um, the tendency of people who forget the law of God and uh, to um, tradition their families and their family systems into also the rejection of the law of God. Um, but you'll note that any time that phrase is mentioned, there's also a con contrast that, and yet people throughout a thousand generations, or God will continue to pursue and show mercy upon generation to generation. And the, the, the whole meaning of this, this kind of difficult concept is that, as we understand it in the scriptures, um, it is the case that the effects of sin in someone's life emanate out into the lives of those around them. Um, and this can even have a kind of generational quality in the sense that a family system that endures significant um, brokenness from sin um, can show evidence of that brokenness throughout generations. It remains true that God is not punishing the children or the grandchildren for the sins of the grandfather. Um, and nevertheless, God will never give up on any family and even a family that has been known by generational brokenness. Um, God will still continue to reach out and show mercy upon subsequent generations, even if their forebearers have been desperately wicked. And that's really good news for Israel, especially as they're in exile for um, for the judgments of generations of sins. And the reason God you know, says this to Ezekiel, to tell them to stop quoting this proverb is because um, they were blaming the exile that they were experiencing on the, the generations before them. They were kind of doing the reverse of that problem and saying, we haven't done anything wrong. Our forefathers were really bad people and now God is hitting us because they were bad and they were idolatrous. And God is saying, if that were the case, you would not be in exile. Um, you have followed in the way of your fathers. You have done the very same things they have done. Um, and now you and now you are the generation in which all of these things are now being visited um, in this clear and outward way. Um, but he is saying that even though this is a very visible way this is happening, that does not mean that it ha judgment has not fallen all the, all those who have gone before you in their way in a, in, a, in their own way. And so as we as we look at that, we, we go into the gospel lesson tonight um, and we we have to frame it in the, the earlier part of chapter four of John's gospel where they're in Samaritan lands. And, you know, sadly, even after this long history of lessons uh, in this topic, um, the the you know, the, the 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 Jews who were living in Jerusalem had a particularly nasty regard for the Samaritans living just north of them because they saw their forefathers as being. Um, kind of blood traitors and intermarrying with people um, during the Assyrian conquest and forgetting the law and forgetting their heritage and um, kind of sullying the bloodline of Abraham. Uh, and because of that, they had an ongoing habit of punishing anybody who had Samaritan heritage by um, by discarding them, by, by marginalizing them and sending them to the side um, and not having fellowship with them. Um, and even Jesus's disciples show um, an aversion to being around Samaritans. And when they get there and see him talking to a Samaritan and a woman, uh, they are just stunned silent. No one no one will say a word um, lest it sort of appear that they're consorting with a Samaritan as well. Um, they're also worried that someone from Samaritan lands gave him something to eat because it surely meant it was prepared in a Samaritan kitchen. And surely that meant it would it would profane the son of God uh, if he were to eat it. Um, and so we can begin to see what Jesus is undoing here is that he is he is he is embodying and demonstrating that um, that that statement in Psalm 40. Lo, I come I, I come to do thy will, O Lord, yea, your laws within my heart as the true Israelite. He sees the whole horizon of Israel's vocation as being 
not only to the house of Israel, but also to all people and is extending the mercy that God has shown upon Israel and that he himself has incarnated outward to those people who are in need of that mercy. And so as he redeems the Samaritan woman, um, he is actually being the true Israelite. And yet all these other Israelites here are worried that he has forsaken his Israelite calling um, for a moment there at least. Um, and so for us, it's a reminder that, um, you know, especially as traditionalists, this is something we always have to remember that um, in the midst of the ritual, if we are not being transformed from the heart in a, um, a, a Eucharistic pattern of life that seeks to receive an offer to God from the heart and then seeks from the heart that we have received God's blessing to extend that mercy and blessing to others, then we have missed something and our ritual will immediately begin to become as empty as we have departed from that. Um, and so uh, in the in the whole course of life, um, our prayer and our way of praying together um, is it, it is only meaningful if it uh, bears the fruit of a transformed life. Um, and so as we pray tonight together in this way that Anglicans have been praying for centuries, um, we also pray that like them, we might bear the fruit of a transformed life um, and be led into, into true righteousness and not just nominal righteousness. We'll conclude tonight with our intercession on page 590. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Give grace, send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities, for his sake who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you so much for joining in tonight. It's good to pray with you. And thanks to Aaliyah, my co-leader. Hope you have a wonderful evening and I'll see you next time. Thanks, Father Hayden. Good evening, everyone. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Have a good evening, everyone.